0: Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist
1: Church. On today's episode, we are starting the nature of the word with part one. Welcome back, Brian. We're back. What's up, man? Welcome all the listeners. Hey, everybody. I know that you are also saying hey back to us through your listening device, of course. Yes.
0: Yes. Welcome. However you're listening, wherever, whatever (laughs) time of day you are listening. We are very excited because we're starting a new series. We were thankful to take a break for a little bit. And I think we've decided that, uh, if we have a series, we're going to break it up into some chunks. So it's not so long and then have some, um, some other kind of things sprinkled in, uh, helps us with our, Schedule yeah, planning and, and
1: ske- doing because it takes a lot to put these schedules, these uh, you know, series together, right, honestly. So right. it's nice to have some things that are, yeah, so I really enjoyed
0: different. the last few weeks looking yeah, at some too. pastors' perspectives, and we'll get back into that. But mm-hmm. this is one that, um, I really feel like is just one of the most important things we can talk about. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, that's one of the things I mean, we keep going back to this over and over again the, the word of God, how important. God's word is I mean from the very beginning of our podcast that was kind of what we were hitting on all the time right was the fact that having children introduced to the to the word and being saturated in the word was the number one factor for staying in the faith right. uh, into adulthood right that's
0: right yeah so
1: i this, think it's vital
0: this theological tenet i believe all of the other ones flow out of this every time somebody has has walked away Uh, from a, uh, like an orthodox view, Mm -hmm. for instance, Jesus is not divine or um, miracles don't happen or, you know, whatever. It could be a... Salvation is available to all, you know, right. and no, no yeah, repentance needed. Whatever, right, yeah, universalism. It's <clears throat> always because they have ceased believing that it is actually God's word in in the way that the Bible presents itself.
1: That's that's exactly that's exactly true. And you can you know they might not even put it that way, but you can always trace it back to that, right? Um, I mean, conversations with people about. Uh, identity, uh, issues nowadays, like homosexuality and things like that all come back to, I've heard, I've heard people debating and the, the thing it comes back to is, do you believe the Bible is true? That's exactly What, right. what do you believe the Bible actually is? And so that's what we're going to be dealing with is what is the Bible? What, what is it about? What is the word of God? What's the nature of it? And how do we, uh, interact with, uh, God's word? That's
0: right. We're going to be talking this, this, podcast is going to cover a little bit of history, mostly the canonicity, the translation of the Bible. Then we're going to talk about authenticity, um, sufficiency, some of those yeah. things. This will be a six-part series that we're going to cover all of these topics, and hopefully it'll give you a really good grasp on why it is God's Word, why it is uh, inerrant, infallible, uh, to be trusted, To, to be, it's something we build our life upon. Um, hopefully that'll give you that that uh, knowledge, but then also that that reassurance that you can go to God's Word and and it be the foundation for your very life.
1: Yeah, that's great, Brian. I think so. Our, our the first thing we're going to dive into is just what is the Bible. And one of the things I wanted to point out is how important this is for parents to understand and teach their kids. Now we're going to get into stuff that you, you're not going to teach your kids this stuff because it's it's too complicated for them. But one of the things I love is there's a YouTube uh, channel called Life Kids. Uh, done by some church. I, I can't remember the name, but it's Life Kids, and they have this thing called Bible Adventures. It's like. Is Blue? it lifechurch.tv? Uh, it might be. Is it Craig Rochelle's church? Yes, yes, okay. it is that. Yeah. Um, and so, but the, the program is really good. They have this thing called Bible Adventures. It's like Blues Clues, but with the Bible. Nice. It's really great. And um, they always say in every episode, uh, when they're trying to find out a problem, like, oh, they need to go to the Bible. What's the Bible? It's the Bible is God's book for you. You can trust it is right and true. And that simple statement that they say to little toddlers is everything that we're talking about right now. Right. So that's the question. What is the Bible? It's God's book for you. It you can trust it. That's right. It's right and true. Yeah. So what's what yeah. what consists of the Bible? I think most of us probably have
0: uh, a Bible or multiple Bibles. If you're like me and Brian, we've got stacks of Bibles yeah, on our shelves, just a few <laughs> ones that we different different translations, and we'll talk about that uh, in a little yeah. bit. But it's a it's really a collection of sixty six books that uh, each book individually has its own purpose, right? yeah, but but on a whole, it teaches one story. yes, and that story shows a great God who is on a mission to redeem his greatest creation for his own
1: glory. Yeah, I that is exactly what the Bible is. The way I like to try to explain that to students is by using like Marvel or Star Wars, because um, we totally get, or even just TV shows, mm-hmm. like you, you look at different TV shows that have single episodes that are communicating one. It's like single story episodes. But in those episodes, they end up creating this entire story over many, many uh, episodes and seasons. That's right. I mean, that's exactly what the Bible is uh, just throughout history. God is the author, and he's been doing it through human authors. Mm -hmm. He's been inspiring them and, and creating this collection of 66 books yeah. that we have today.
0: You know, and we call it the Word of God, but really the Word of God is not first expressed in the pages of the Bible. It's actually the words of the Lord spoken to His people. Right. Uh, his, his, and also through His personal messengers, prophets mm-hmm. and angels. And then, of course, it's realized in the person of Jesus. Jesus right. is called the Logos, the Logos, the Word in human form. That's right. And uh, you know, this is how God expresses himself. God is a God that speaks. He is not seen. This is different than other gods because we would tend to want to make an idol or make a a statue of a God like they did with Baal or Molech or somebody like that. But he, even today, we see this in like Hinduism and and things like that. But God says, "No, don't make a statue, because nothing you can make in, with your human hands can represent the greatness and glory of Me." Well, and that's the I whole... am a God
1: who speaks. Exactly, that's the whole thing with Jesus is that He. Being the logos, that that's what that passage is saying in first in in John chapter one, is that Jesus is the one who has come to make him known. He is the right. Word of God manifested. He is God manifested to then proclaim who he himself is, which has been happening through the whole Old Testament, and now it has been completely fulfilled in Jesus, right. um, the the true Word of God. And so all of Scripture, this is another thing. All of this points to Jesus because the whole Bible is ultimately about him. He's the main character of all of scripture. Right. And Um, the
0: purpose of God's word is for God's glory. We can't ever, uh, you know, a lot of times we want to make it about us, which we are a part of the story, Mm -hmm. but, but, we're the not the main, main character, right? The main purpose of God's word is for is for
1: God's glory. That's exactly right. Even
0: when He redeems us through salvation, it's for His glory. It's for us to we see, receive a great
1: benefit from that, but ultimately it's to reflect God's greatness in His glory. That's right. It's it's about seeing Him and, and marveling in Him. That's where we we get joy from that. Right. And so let's talk some more about what is the Bible. The first five books that were written are something called the the Pentateuch, right? Mm-hmm. So that that word is like the you know has the idea of the first five Yeah. Uh, yeah, the written. book
0: the book of Genesis covers uh several hundred years yeah. in, in a very
1: well it's a lot <laughs> maybe even
0: a, thou- a couple thousand it, it's very condensed because mm-hmm. those stories were given through oral tradition. Right. As Adam and Eve raised their children they passed those stories on of what happened in the garden and then they passed those stories on and they the stories were passed on through oral tradition and yeah. a, and actually there's a great history of this. Of, of people doing this and people say, well, doesn't that create, uh, inaccuracy right. in those stories and really not no. because back then they didn't have, they didn't write things down. That's right. They actually, Spoke them and memorized them and told them over and over again in yeah. very similar ways.
1: Yeah, it's like talking to a kid nowadays and being like, you know, trying to spell something on a on a blackboard or a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. Like we can't, you know, we can't hardly do that anymore because we have spell check all the time.
0: Well, we move, we move to digital so much. Like, yeah, the last we time don't you... have
1: the ability to do this. Yeah, do anymore? you?
0: Can you pull up a phone number? In your brain right. from the last five years. Well, yeah. No. Well, how many phone numbers do you actually know? It's all old numbers.
1: Right. From before. Digital. We, yeah. I exactly. remember my phone number from when I was a child. Me too. Because I had... But as I had to. I was to. forced to. Yes. And that's the point. They had to memorize this stuff. Right. And they did. And so the oral traditions were passed down until... Uh, God revealed to
0: Moses he needed to write this down. Moses wrote all of this down. He wrote Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy as as it happened. Right. Now when we say Moses wrote them down, there there might have been other scribes that were kind right. of helping, helping him. him. It doesn't mean that that character necessarily wrote every word.
1: He may have right. but um yeah, Moses he, Moses it's like he, he kind of authorized yes, it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. God was using Moses and and the authority that Moses had over whoever was, you know, helping him to to, he and God inspired right. through him, and this to do is that. an
0: important point that you know Israel, as they went through their history, they kept really good records. They they wrote things down, and uh, one of the one of the reasons we know that it's kind of true and accurate is they wrote down everything. Yes, the good and the, the bad, bad, the ugly stories too. You know, if you're writing a famous history of your life and you want everyone to think you're like the greatest ever you're going to maybe just put the good bits in there. Right. You know, but they wrote on everything. They, everything. they recorded all of these things. And, um, you know, by and large, they were written or or authorized by the people that the books are, uh, you know, ascribed, associated with. Mm-hmm. You know, the New Testament, they went along, they were authorized by the apostles. And we'll talk about why that's so important. Yes. But apostleship, prophets, you know, they were key in forming God's Word. Now, we believe that these offices have ceased to exist right and we'll talk more about that why that means that the canon is closed right. but for now we need to really understand that there were it wasn't just joe blow anybody wrote down god's word it was god's ordained messengers that wrote the word of god
1: yeah and, and that's were, important because yeah you, you can't you can't just make up God's word. I mean, there these people. Uh, we look to them, and and these people have all been evaluated. And we'll get into some more of this stuff yeah. later. But but we're not just like, oh yeah, I totally believe that because that person, you know, just said so. No, right. we don't we don't believe things just because people say so. Right. Um, and that's important to remember. The Bible is not considered scripture because people are stupid and we're easily duped by things. That's. That's not what. No, happened. it's
0: careful. There's been careful scholarship for thousands of years. That's from from Jewish scholars all the way to modern day uh, scholars. Yes, and, and we've been able to affirm that this is God's word. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the Old Testament canon.
1: Yes. So first of all, I think it's good to mention what Canon is. I think it's actually cool nowadays. It's a,
0: it's a instrument of
1: war. (laughs) Canons go. Oh oh. no, no, no. Uh, it it is funny. I think people understand the idea of Canon C
0: A N O N right. Two
1: ends. Right. And, and people get that nowadays because of, uh, fandoms and things like that. Mm. Like people understand the idea of Canon. Like this is the authorized, um, Uh, material, Mm. right? So this is the authorized material. Like, is is it in the Star Wars canon? Exactly, yeah, or Marvel canon, whatever, you know, and so that's what we're talking about here. This is the authorized, like, we know this is from God. Like, that's the point. And so the Old Testament canon um, we know it ha- was developed first over uh, a few thousand years ago.
0: Yeah. Moses first wrote the five books, probably around the the, the date, the date kind of yeah, goes debated. back and forth. Yeah. It was around 1500 BC.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, there's some discrepancy, but it was definitely over a thousand years. Yes.
1: BC. Yes.
0: So that's, that's, so that's over 3000 years, years our time.
1: Yeah. So the Israelites collected and authorized the Old Testament as they went. Um, They were authorized by Israel's priests and rabbis, and uh, many believe that the Word of God was found in 24 books, the five books of Moses, the eight books of the prophets, and uh, 11 of the other writings.
0: Yeah, so that was kind of the Jewish canon early on, and there's differences. So we'll, we'll talk That's, more yeah. about it. there's differences between Jewish, Christian, uh, Catholic, Catholic, you mm. know, and so not everybody authorizes all the same books. But, you know, there was some debate when it was canonized into 42 books. Some say Ezra. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was evidence that it was around uh, 165 BCE during the time oh, really? of the Maccabees. Wow. Uh, Others others say it was as late as 90 90? AD that the Old Testament wasn't canonized, but... By the first century, the early church fathers, so this is, uh, there was a group after the apostles called the early church fathers, and they kind of were a group of bishops mm-hmm. and, and preachers. The, the primary
1: that, leaders of the church. Right, that carried
0: the on the work of the apostles. Right. The apostleship was was over, it was right. closed. These were the men that, car- that carried it afterwards. They confirmed the Old Testament books in their writings as they would write letters and, and pieces to the church they confirmed all of this. And there's a little bit of dispute, uh, but for the most part, the main ones had, had gotten the 42 books that we know in there. Yeah. And then, so the New Testament canon was still formed in sort of organic way. It was funny because the church began to recognize the books of the gospels. And then they began to pass around the letters that we know, the Philippian letter. It was to the Philippians, but right. it was passed around to the other churches as yeah. well for reading and encouragement. Now I would not want to be um, the church of Corinth to get my business <laughs> <know>. all,
1: all <laughs> out know. to all the other yeah. churches. Yeah. Or, or Galatia, yeah. you know, it's like, <laughs> you it's like, foolish Ooh. Galatians. Like, yeah, those Burn. guys got it. Yeah, exactly. No, but that, that is what was happening. And it's kind of funny how, as the, as those letters and um you know books were being passed around uh, in the early you know first century um people were basically able to tell that it was god's word because uh because it just was obviously god's word right. and um you know who it came from well as time went on people continued writing letters and and other people started asserting that their letters were uh, right. God's word. And that's when things uh, got a little interesting, and they started started looking at okay, what is common about the things that we know are God's word, right. and let's take those principles and and apply that to what we're reading right. now.
0: A lot of it was to to combat heresy. That yes. there was a there was a period between one hundred forty and two hundred A.D. where where Christianity was kind of formed in a sense of like, these are the books, because like you said, other people were writing yeah. all these other things. The Gnostics were very active during this time. And so they had to say, no, no, that's not the word of God. This is yeah. the word of God to be able to combat heresy. Yeah,
1: because it was power grabbing. That's what was right. going on. There was a lot of power grabbing going on. So yes. they had to uh, put an end to that.
0: Yes. Uh, is this Euse- Eusebius? Eusebius. Eusebius.
1: No, that's he, wrong too. I don't know how to say it.
0: Whatever his name is. <laughs> he listed four categories in his writings. This was, he listed accepted, disputed, rejected, and heretical. Yeah. So the accepted books were most all of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. With the exception, there were some disputed early on. James. Uh, yep. This is Second uh, Peter 2nd and 3rd John, and Revelation, all of these were eventually accepted. Right. The Gospel of Peter, Thomas, Matthias, Acts of Peter, uh, Acts of Andrew, Acts of John were eventually rejected. Right. So when we say that, say this is the Gospel of Peter, this was not necessarily written by, by Peter. Peter. That's the point, is that mm-hmm. somebody else wrote this without Peter's authorization. Yeah. It would be like me writing a book and saying, this is by Stephen King, just so I could get it circulated. <laughs> get yeah, exactly. Right Now, nowadays, because everybody knows I'm not Stephen King, Stephen King would say, no, that's not me. It's
1: so much easier to, to, to put an end to that, right? But the
0: church didn't know. Mm-hmm. So these books began to get circulated. And so the early church fathers had to write and say, no, no, these were... These are not authorized. Right. These are rejected uh, or disputed, I should say. Rejected books is interesting. Revelation was actually rejected by some yeah. early on.
1: Yeah. And I think that makes sense just because of the the odd nature of it. It's just so complex and, and interesting. But, but when you start, and this is why, who is, when if you have a good study Bible, it'll always talk about who's the author. And that's such an important conversation because that matters. Right. Because you, you want to know who is telling you these things, Mm -hmm. um, you'll find that one of the principles is um, the apostles are the ones who are a part of the writing of Mm -hmm. all of the new Testament uh, canon. Right. So very important. You
0: know, you have like ones that were ones that were um, heretical were epistles of Barnabas, the shepherd of Hermes, Acts of Paul, Apocalypse of Peter, Teaching of the Apostles, and the Gospel of Hebrews.
1: So, so these aren't just books that are like, no, that's not scripture. There's like, these, these are like, these are heretical. These, these are like, have yeah.
0: issues, and and part of it, and I think even you could put the Gospel of Thomas in this later on, mm. uh, as it was rejected by the church. For instance, there's an idea in that book that Thomas. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, the gospel of Judas is the one I'm thinking of, mm, yeah, which is okay, not yes. listed here. This one was found later Much after later this too. period, mm-hmm. but um, it puts Judas as the hero that Jesus yeah. had asked him to, to do this, to do mm-hmm. these things, to be a martyr, to be a sacrifice. And that goes, goes against every evidence that we have right. in scripture. The same thing with some of these other, these other gospels or acts books that came out later is they're just, they're not. They're not the real story, yeah. and they were not authorized by
1: those people. Yeah, and they were written much later. I mean, they were written so much later that it's obviously not from the apostles. Right. It's not from eyewitnesses. I mean, yeah. it's just wrong.
0: So by 367, the canon was pretty much settled. Yeah. Athanasius, uh, Bishop Alexandria, who is an awesome mm-hmm. uh, person to read about. I love Athanasius. Um, he, he listed all of our current New Testament books uh, as the authorized and he left out the uh, apocrypha as authorized scripture but suggested it for spiritual reading so yes. we'll we'll get to the apocrypha in just a minute but um you know it would be like you would read maybe like a chuck swindoll book today mm-hmm. like helpful in your spiritual yeah. walk but
1: not not the word of god right or like commentaries you know <clears throat> right. similar sorts of things yeah and then in 397 AD, the Council of Carthage listed all 27 books. Uh, so that basically just cemented it. Like that further cemented them into canon. And what that means is the church had finally rec- recognized all of what God had given to the church. And so there is criteria that they recognized over this period of time as they were looking at these books coming in. Yeah. It wasn't just random, right? They, They had definitely some like rules that they were looking at. Right. Yes. And we've hinted at a lot of this as we've been talking. So first was, was the book authored or sanctioned by an apostle or a prophet? Right. Yeah. So that's a big that's a big question. Yeah. Was the book widely circulated? Was it for the church? Right? It wasn't just a personal letter from Paul to so and so. It it could have been a personal letter from Paul to so and so, but it was also considered for the church. Right, right. Right.
0: Also, was the book Christologically centered? Yeah. Is it centered on Jesus? You know? And then finally, was the book orthodox? That means is it faithful to the teaching of the apostles? Yeah. And so those were kind of the criteria. So they were able to pull all these books together. Like I said, there was some dispute over books like, for instance, James, but they were able to reconcile that um, and see that that James is not preaching a works based salvation. Right.
1: Well, uh, and even like Martin Luther had an issue with James for a while, and and he and he was like, listen, I know this is God's word. And so I'm going to believe it. Right. Um, and that's a pretty good example of of how to treat God's word. You, You know, when it says things you don't like, uh, you need to, you need to ask God to help you like it. Right.
0: So the Bible has a really rich tradition in these books. They were, uh, you know, they've, they've been formally cemented since, you know, 300 AD for us, you know, now that's you know, we're in 2021.
1: Yeah, like 1700, you know, hundred years. Right, right. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty long time, and uh, it's really not been. Um, nobody has been able to crack this or put, right. and really mm-hmm. put a dent. There's a lot of claims, you know, against the Bible, of course. But that's that's when you really actually look into the mm-hmm. the true history of it, you find that there it's all uh, baseless. And so there is this uh, understanding of the apocrypha, right? Um, right. So the apocrypha, what 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 is that?
0: Yeah. It's this other, it's these other collection of books that are primarily used by Catholic individuals and they, um, authorized them. You know, we don't have definitive proof that these are books from God. They are left out of most all of the Mm -hmm. list of the, the prophet, uh, Protestants. Yeah. Sorry. Jesus and the apostles never spoke of them. Uh, the early church fathers omitted them from their lists when they made their official uh, list of books. And it wasn't until 1546 at the Council of Trent did the Catholic Church officially state this as canon. They didn't include it. It was it was that, very
1: late. That that blows my mind because the the reality is the only reason why the Catholic Church included them in their canon is really an argument against... Martin Luther who right. is going back to the sources and saying no no the original church fathers saw these you know 27 books as as canon and we're not going to hold these these other you know non-scriptural books as scripture
0: well and the reason the catholic church holds these as foundational to their teaching is because they teach yeah. the ideas of purgatory prayers to the dead, justification by faith plus works, which are foundational teachings in the Catholic Church. And so right. if they don't have the Apocrypha, then those those theological tenets that they hold on to are, have no basis.
1: Yeah, that's right. They lose their ability to teach what they teach. Right. And so they have to that.
0: hold on to these these books. Yeah. So, you know, that's... The, that's what they believe obviously we have really good proof in the 66 books that we have we don't need the Apocrypha like I said there's definitely some teachings in there that that do not um, are not good you know <laughs> theological things that we need to hold on to right you know yeah. purgatory
1: does not exist yes you know? yeah. Uh, yeah there's a lot of stuff that's just kind of you know made up by um Probably good intentioned uh, people thinking through things. I mean, I I think that's most likely So now
0: we know the canon is closed. Right. So there's no new books being
1: added, right? Well, that is exactly right. But the question is, is why do we believe that? You Mm -hmm. know, because a lot of people would like to say, no, no, there is further um, revelation. For instance, uh, the the Mormons who, Mm -hmm. who consider themselves Christians, which... We we would not, um, but they would say yes. No, there's been more revelation um, from God. Well, and, the Muslims
0: believe that the Quran exactly. is the final word of God. Yeah, you and know? they and they
1: would even say that they have really just kind of. So they would even say that like Christianity kind of uh, reformed Judaism. Well, they would say that uh, Islam has reformed Christianity mm-hmm. uh, by further revelation from God. Yeah, and uh, and the problem is is when you look at God's word. Uh, God's word says, no, that's not true. Right. Um, well the, the
0: office, it's so important that the office of prophet and apostle has passed on, you know, this is so key in us understanding. So we know that there were prophets. We think about Moses and we think about Samuel and Jeremiah and Malachi. We think about all of these prophets, the last prophet being John, the Baptist. And then of course, Jesus, Yes, Jesus is prophet, priest, and King. Right. Um, but the the last fully human was was John the John Baptist, Baptist prophets. Then we moved into apostles. apostles. Now apostleship is very important. It had to be somebody who experienced Jesus, Jesus. in firsthand. Right. So that's why the office of apostle is closed. Is because yeah. after those men, those disciples, and there were there were more apostles than there were disciples. Right. For instance, uh, yeah. you know, no, po- no, no,
1: more disciples than there were apostles.
0: No, there were twelve disciples officially. Yes, there were hundreds of of disciples. Yes, there were twelve official disciples. Yeah, okay, there okay, were more apostles saying. as they went along.
1: Okay, because yes, Paul yes, is an apostle, sorry.
0: Barnabas is an right. apostle, people like that. But those were guys into who, knew, who
1: knew Jesus personally. Right.
0: Yeah. Once that passed, yeah. once Jesus went to be with the Lord, Paul is the only one added late because Jesus appeared to him, and yeah. he even says. I'm an apostle, not by last, the normal yeah. means, right. you know? And Paul was the last official apostle added in that way. There is no more apostleship yeah. that has passed on.
1: This is paul Paul writing in ephesians. he says, uh, he's talking about the church, that what is the church, and how how does the church come about? He says, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles mm-hmm. and the prophets, right. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Right. That is a major principle for the Bible. Right. It's now, the apostles I and will the say
0: there are people that believe that the apostleship is still open. And you'll go to uh, some churches, many oh. of them are charismatic churches, and they'll say apostle so-and-so and right. whatever. But uh, I assure you, the office of apostle is closed. We have... We have pastor, elder, we can call it a bishop, you can call it an overseer, whatever, right. um, whatever you want to call it that's biblical, but we have no more apostles, right? because therefore yeah. we have no more of God's word. God is not speaking to us with new revelations because that he used those people in right. that specific time to get his word across. And now we've entered into a time, uh, praise God, we've entered into a time where we're able to mass produce God's yeah. word. Yes. We don't need a new message because we have the, the message that God gave
1: us. Yeah, I have it on my computer my iPad and my phone. Like, oh, right here, right now. You know, right. it's everywhere. And it's amazing. But, but you know, um, that the, every time somebody has tried to add to, they have always, always uh, counter... They've gone against what the Bible has already said. And that's what's so cool about true scripture right. is it always complements. There are times where, and we do deal with this in our biblical balance, where you have ideas and tension, but they never, they never actually contradict each other. Mm-hmm. But new revelation quote, new revelation always contradicts God's word. Right. But here's the thing, God's word tells. So these are all just principles that we're talking about, but it's not just from us. Like God's word ha- itself tells us like revelation 22, 18 through 19 uh, it says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the word, words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book.
0: Right. Yeah. And it goes even back to the law where he, he talked about in Deuteronomy, you shall not add to the word. And he's talking specifically to the law, but I mean, you can see this in a broader context. Right. You shall not add to the word which I'm commanding, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you.
1: And then you have in the wisdom literature, Proverbs 30, uh, do not add to his words or he will reprove you and right. you will be proved a liar. So, I mean, there's, it's there's just lots over. Of, and over, and over again. there's,
0: yeah, there's lots of verses that we can point to. God's word is telling us, uh, it is a sacred text that we should not mess with. A- yeah. And you're right. Just like when the Gospel of Judas came out a decade or so ago and was reprinted, and mm. they made a big deal about it, it contradicted God's right. word. So automatically, my antenna goes up and says, uh, "This is probably not God's word." And then the scholarship that went that went that came out behind that proved that it was not dated back to the time of Judas. It exactly. was later on. Yeah,
1: and and that's when you're like, it's it's so it, it honestly is so. Obvious, but it is amazing how uh the enemy of God right. is going to try to mimic him and he's going to try to bring out these things. I mean, that's why this is happening, is because right. there's an enemy and he's trying to trick people. That's that's why. Right.
0: So, so so I think all of this is telling us we can trust God's word. And we're gonna talk more about authority next week, but I, I just want to end this part of the conversation with, with the canonicity that Um, we can trust God's word. It is claiming its own authority. Yes, but we can trust it. And this is sort of where faith comes into the equation because we trust that the hand of God has been directing and leading all of this, right? That it is God's inspired divine word written down by humans and shared so that we could read it today. Mm -hmm. There's many, many that have sought to destroy it throughout the years and none have exceeded the word of God stands forever. Because God deems it so. That's
1: right. It it will never be destroyed or done away with. And that's the thing, you know, a lot of people have a hard time with being like, well, it just, why should I trust something that says that it's trustworthy? Well, that's like, that's like people. I mean, like somebody says to you, trust me. Well, how do you know that you can trust them? Well, by testing, if you can trust them. And God does say, he, he does, he doesn't want us to, test him like um put him to the test in the sense of like um try his patience sort of thing
0: no but he says taste and, and see. see it's that the experience Lord is that's exactly that's testing, exactly what i'm trying to it's say experiencing it's it's god.
1: experiencing the fact that you can't you trust him right. and as you trust him he proves himself trustworthy mm-hmm. um and then you trust him more right and uh and that's how the bible works so if we trust god then we can trust his Word. He, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness in these 60... Guys, that's the thing. That's what's so amazing about the Bible. In 66 books, in this one thing that you can carry around, you have it on your phone, mm-hmm. you have literally everything you need for your entire life. Right. That's, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. We have yeah. everything.
0: I, I really... I mean, and like I said, we'll get into this, more of this
1: next week, but
0: you know it is something that we we can trust for for faith and and to be safe and parents so. like
1: seriously think about it like what do i need to teach my kids the bible like that's what your kids need right teach you know?
0: well teach them that the bible is trustworthy teach them that they can believe it and teach them how to read it and and study right. it so right. that way it's going be their whole life as they get older. Exactly, they will have a love and a desire to read God's word. That's so, great. That's well. Great. Let's talk about Bible translations. Mm, yeah, uh, this is a question <laughs> I'm asked often all the time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, why are there so many translations? Yep.
1: Yeah, just because there's, uh, you know, people love translating. That's yeah, why. No. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that is a big deal. And I will say that this, I was super intrigued by this when I went to Bible college and yeah. seminary. Um, we have so many translations and, and basically everything we have is some kind of translation. Unless you're reading it in the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Um, and even to some extent, there there is some translation there from the ancient type of you know things right. to the more modern type right um but but how how is it that we can you know trust these things why do we have all these things
0: yeah well i think one of the reasons is language is not static mm. it, it's always changing you know even the the king james version was redone mm-hmm. if you tried to read the original king james version yeah. you would not be able to read it. it's hard enough to read now but but go back to even before they updated it that's right and it was impossible that's like for us to
1: read any english major can tell you like when you're first trying to read like boethius and things like that like you can't you can't read it you because it's just a different language it's very difficult yeah Yeah.
0: and so we changed our vernacular so we need new translations Mm -hmm. and listen I want to say translations are not bad. Amen. They are good. We just need to do a little homework on them and we need to make sure that they are done in a, in the proper
1: way. Well, didn't, didn't we just celebrate a couple, or was it yesterday? Who was it? Was it, uh,
0: William Tyndale. Tyndale. Yeah. We'll talk about him in just a second. He's, he's in the notes here. Oh, I'm I'm very excited about that.
1: Okay. I saw you posted something about him.
0: But listen, (laughs) I do want to say this, uh, if you have a church and you're a member, and you hold to their statement of faith, here's a good rule of thumb for me. I read and study the version that my pastor uses, Mm -hmm. because I think that's helpful when you're listening to his preaching, when you're doing study and things like that. So I would tell anybody, whatever church you go to, try to do that. Now, everybody's got their own preferences, and they're going to do whatever they want. But I think it's a good th- rule of thumb.
1: Yeah, and you guys make fun of me because I read a different version than you guys uh, on the regular, and that's okay. But um, the, the thing is, is the, the point we're getting to I read is, other
0: versions too, but when I come to church, I bring my, my ESV because that's what my pastor uses. Well,
1: I think it, it, the point that you're making is is right, and I agree. It's very important, first of all, to know what the the translation that you're— Pastor uses and why he uses it, right? Because it's going to help you understand his his point of view of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, the question really comes down to accuracy, mm. uh, right? Like,
0: yeah, how do we know that the Word of God is accurate? accurate.
1: Yeah. Like, is the translation telling you what they originally wrote down? Right.
0: So just think about other ancient books for for instance. We uh, really don't question other other ancient books that have come from similar time periods we don't we don't question the works of josephus we don't question caesar's gaelic war you know we can go on and on about different books they're automatically taken as accurate historical all of those things and the truth is there are fewer copies of those and they date much later than the original manuscripts this
1: this actually brian this gets me so triggered it's not even funny (sighs) because it's like I I really do. I get super frustrated the way that the scholarship handles this stuff. Yes. It's not fair. It's It's not not fair. fair. Yeah. They, they expect some kind of, they literally expect, you know, God himself to come down and hand you a book in your hand. To, to finally believe that it came from well, God. Here's
0: a couple of examples. <laughs> uh there are much more copies, hundreds of copies and thousands of fragments and quotes from over early writers. Five thousand. Yeah. By, by and large, they all line up together. There yes. are very, very minuscule, minute uh details, and they all express the same text over and over and over again. So much so that we are confident that we have the translated word of God. We can we can cu- we can uh, corroborate our
1: word of god to these early texts. And they always match. And and the 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 crazy thing is people will say there's there's, you know, they, they will say this, you will hear this. There are thousands of, you know, misprints and problems in the copies and stuff like that. The vast majority, I'm talking like insanely vast majority of those things are where scribes accidentally wrote the same word twice. Right and they don't have the thing on their computer that says want to delete you know a uh, right. duplicated word they didn't have that so like it's just not actually a problem right and so so we have we have, we have so, so many accurate. copies it's amazing let's talk about the dates for instance oh, so man.
0: in addition uh you know especially the the new testament the new testament is amazing we are closer in age to the original manuscript than any other ancient book now no ancient <laughs> book let me say this. No ancient book has the original manuscript. Right. They've been lost to time. That's why the copies were so important. Okay. But we can trace the earliest fragment of the New Testament within decades. Right. That is, that is for ancient works, it's that insane. is very close. It's like incredibly Because accurate. Caesar's Gaelic Wars, we have a copy that is 900 years from the original manuscript. Almost a thousand years. But we can trace the New Testament, the earliest fragment, to within a couple of decades. Yep.
1: It, that it, guys. It's a miracle. It's a, it's mind blowing. It's a, it's a miracle how the Bible has been preserved throughout the centuries. It's right. amazing. So if,
0: if scholars would look at ancient works and treat the Bible the, just the like way. a
1: normal, like another ancient work, I'm
0: not even talking about the the miraculous stuff in it. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the actual text right. of the Bible. It can be trusted, yeah, because it holds up to
1: all scholarly scrutiny. There's there's a couple good books really quick. That one there's one that is against the Bible called uh, "Misquoting Jesus," um, and uh, and I, I'm blanking on the author right now. Um, and it is an incredibly frustrating book, um, but it is scary at the same time. But there's a counter book to that by uh, Timothy Paul Jones, who's a a professor at Southern Seminary, called Misquoting Truth.
0: Oh, nice. And you need to
1: go read that book, Misquoting Truth. Oh, it's so good. You read that, and you're like... Oh my goodness! I believe the Bible so much more now. Like yeah. it, it's amazing yeah. when you see the proof.
0: Yeah, I like I like me some T.P.J. Oh yeah, he's, he's a, awesome. He's great. So All right. okay, so let's talk about the English translation because yes. we are speaking in English today. That's right. In our Midwestern
1: English mm, uh, voices. Midwestern. Here. I don't know if I'm mid. Uh, I probably am now. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for my Midwestern. I don't hate. I'm not hating. <laughs> <laughs> Do you say "ope"? That's the oh? Yeah, like when you actually
0: but "ope." Oh, sorry. When you bump into Mm. somebody or, oh, excuse me. I don't know. I'll have to pay attention. If you do, you're a Midwesterner. (laughs) Crud.
1: Here we go. So
0: what about the English translations that we use today? If the Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew, Mm -hmm. how do we know that it was accurately translated into English? Now, this is where we get into one of my favorite reformers. Here we go. William Tyndale. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people get excited about Luther and Calvin, and those guys are awesome. Of course. But they get all the limelight. Right. Let's go to William Tyndale. He labored over the Greek and Hebrew to bring an English translation. Here's the problem. It was illegal yeah, to do it. Illegal. People he were being killed for this. Against the law and translated the Greek and Hebrew. See, the Catholic Church, they were using the Latin Vulgate, mm-hmm. which itself is a translation by Jerome, okay? Right. right. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. It was I'm against I'm sorry. the law to translate the Bible into English. The problem was Latin at the time was a dying language. It was not the common tongue of yeah. the people. The Only the priests... Could could read and know and translate God's word. So therefore, the Catholic Church had a monopoly on God's word. Yeah, you go to church and they're talking the Bible. You have no idea what they're saying, and you have to trust and believe that they're saying the right, the right thing. The right so thing. You're having they can trust. say whatever they want. Yeah, exactly. It, it, uh, mm-hmm. This is this is this created so many problems that led to the the Reformation itself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so Tyndale thought we need. The word of God in the common language that every man, woman, and child can read, and so he began Amen. to translate in English. Uh, and he did it outside the law. He was arrested and put to death before he could finish the translation. But his last words were, Lord, open the eyes of the King of England, mm. because he wanted him to know, he wanted him to, to, to know, this is an important thing, God is wanting us. To do this so everyone can read God's word. Here's the thing. Within four years, Mm -hmm. four English translations were published at the king's behest. All of them based based on
1: Tyndale's work. His prayer was answered, man. And and here's what's crazy. There's there's actually a really uh, a decent movie. I'll say that decent movie on uh, Amazon uh, Prime, I believe, that uh, is about William Tyndale. Oh yeah, and uh, it's it's a really good movie. I mean, it starts out and it is it is shocking mm. that it, it's true. What's it called? Uh, I think it's Tyndale. Oh, okay, and uh, they would uh, they would. I mean, it starts out with this family uh, getting accused of mm. of reading in the common language and uh, and it's it's heartbreaking what you see, and one other element to this, the reason why Tyndale was turned in was because he was spied on I mean it's amazing uh what the enemy will do to try to keep God's word mm-hmm. out of your hands right uh he'll do whatever it takes, and so we've got to do whatever it takes and when William Tyndale did whatever it took to get the Bible into yeah. the hands of the people, it so was amazing. So we have this English translation, and there's been other guys who who did these things and, and worked, I mean, laboriously to go. And that was one of the things of the Reformation, back to the sources. Right. So we've got to learn Hebrew. we got to learn Aramaic and learn Greek, not Latin. The Bible wasn't written in Latin. We learned these languages and we translate them word for word into our common language. And right. that's what they did.
0: So for a long time, we've used the King James Version. And, and listen, this was the gold standard for a long time, okay? Uh, I'm not against King James Version Mm-mm. at all. Uh, it, it, Like I said, it is the gold standard for, for hundreds of years. Uh, but as scholarship improved, we found more and more scrolls and scraps and fragments. For instance, the Dead Sea, Dead sea Scrolls. scrolls. Uh, were found in this, well, After I say this James. century. Yeah. But it was actually last
1: century. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> Crazy. We refined the translation process and have created many more accurate translations. So here's the thing uh, KJV only people really bug me. Yeah and this is the only thing I'm going to say about this, because the King James is a translation. Yes. Everything is. Why hold to a translation that is outdated and outmoded that you say that is the word of God when I know for a fact that much care and much scholarship and much work prayerful work guided by the Holy Spirit has Mm -hmm. gone into translating God's word in a way that normal people today can understand. understand It's almost like the same battle that Tyndale fought. Because if I hand a King James version to somebody who's never read the Bible before, they're not going to be able to understand it. it.
1: They cannot. I mean, I've had students pick up King James versions and they read it and I'm like okay, let me reread this for you guys in ESV right. because nobody understood what right. you just said.
0: So listen, don't at me, bro. Any right. King James only people, don't at me. Yeah, but we this, love you. This is not... this. Yeah. I'm not going to debate this with you. Right. If you want to read King James, that's that's right. fine. Yeah. But don't... Do not... Uh, Expect Keep someone other else from right. reading the Word of God because of your stubbornness and saying, oh, King James only. Yes. I'm getting fired up, Brian.
1: I know. I know. We're getting triggered. I'm surprised. We're getting more We're triggered getting than triggered. I thought. triggered. Okay, so... Okay, let's wrap um, this up here. Fast,
0: fast forward to today... Okay. There are many publishing houses. They put together teams of scholarship. They go back to the original text. They get all the translations, you know, they wrestle with these issues, uh, Greek, Hebrew, you know, all of these types of things there. I will say this, they don't naturally translate into English. Right. So they have to have some kind of like way to, um, you know,
1: Make Make it make sense. Make it
0: make sense. For instance, I'll tell you that the word faith did not exist... In the English, we've talked uh,
1: about that before, yeah. William
0: Tyndale invented the word faith, yeah, which in essence is the, is a form of belief or trust, right? But the word in Greek
1: did not exist in English. It, it's it's, and that's the that's the nature of languages. And so, when we talk, we have this idea of of um, literal word for word translation versus dynamic. Yeah, there's kind and of so, a scale there. Yes, and and at the end of the day, like there is always. When you translate from something that is is completely foreign to your own language, you you have to bridge the gaps the best that you possibly can. Right. That just is the way it is. Still,
0: because and most of it's because the sentence structures don't are make totally sense. different, and right. the words. Think about yeah. Think about. Uh, think about Spanish. Exactly syntax exactly structures like are
1: different that's, than our syntax. That's structures. how Greek is. Greek is right. the same thing. You you don't yeah, it, it's it's so cool when you when you learn this stuff and then it actually makes more sense to you why this but literal word for word is what we call it. Um they have done the best that they possibly can to take the exact Hebrew and Greek words and translate them exactly into uh English and then they and then they put them in a readable way. So one example would
0: be the NASB, the new American exactly. standard Bible. That's my, that's my version. Is,
1: uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I that
0: was... <laughs> version is the literal, uh, the most literal transla- English translation yeah. of the modern era. Right. Uh, you know, a, a, a fully dynamic version would be like the NIV, the new international yeah. version. Now I believe the ESV, which does lean more lib- in the more literal camp. Oh yeah. But it is a, it's what it, it's kind of tries to strike a balance between literal and dynamic. I've actually same thing with the CSB as well. Yeah,
1: I've seen a scale where the way it went is from from starting at Literal with is, the NASB is the NASB, then the ESV, then the KJV mm. King James Version. So it's still really highly, it's good. Um, and then there's like a couple other ones, and then like the NIV, but then there's more beyond the NIV. KJV
0: is in there that are much more. Right. And so
1: a lot of this is like the ESV is very literal, but it's, it, I think, they've translated it in a much more readable, readable. way. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. anyways, yeah.
0: so, so you know. On the very extreme <laughs> other end is a paraphrase. Right. Okay, now uh, these are these are different than a translation. Right, we don't like these. I'm sorry. They take the text of the Bible and they ascertain the meaning and then they they phrase it in a modern way. Now, right. I'm not against people reading. I actually like the New Living Translation. Really uh, for like devotional reading. I've, okay, I've suggested it to people. I would not use it for study. Yes. Yes. Uh, but you know, if somebody wants to just have a really easy to read version, just to kind of make sure they don't miss the meaning of the text, the uh, new yeah. living is fine. Yeah. I, I do not like the message. I do not like some of these other ones. Um, I feel like they too, take too many liberties yeah. with the word of God. And, um, it's just not helpful when you're trying to, um, I mean, they may like it's like, oh, they speak to me in my language, right. but so, so does the ESV, right. you know what I mean? I, I, I think without it without is, compromising yeah. the actual text.
1: I think it's important to just remember these are paraphrases of the Bible. They're not the Bible. Right. That's the way I see it. I mean, and sometimes I like to read some of these things just, just for fun, because it's kind of cool to see how they've put it into this crazy vernacular like there's the um gen z bible you know oh, that they <laughs> put it in gen z. the emoji bible has yeah come the out. emoji bible yeah. there's the hello kitty Bible. there's oh, all different gosh. kinds of things and that's just that Can you have to be careful as long as it's not well? Those, like are, those are paraphrases. well i
0: tell you it, most of the kids bibles are paraphrases so right. they're not bad right right they're not bad but i think it, I it think... depends on how you I think we need to be careful how we use a paraphrase. Yes. And, so. and
1: there, I will just say this. I, I am going to say this. There are paraphrase Bibles that do paraphrase things in such a way that it is uh, badly misconstrued. Yes. And you do have to be very, very careful. Yes. So I just needed to say that. Get so off my chest, <laughs> right. So,
0: so if you, you know, as long as you feel comfortable reading a translation, you look and you make sure the scholarship is, uh, well, you know, the publishing houses are are fairly. Uh, most of the publishing, most of the major publishing yeah. houses, uh, Tyndale, Lifeway, Zondervan, Crossway, yeah, they do a really good job with their scholarship and their accuracy, and so they really care about uh, making sure that this is. God's word. Yeah. There's not a lot us. of new
1: translations coming out. There's mostly just uh, updating of vernacular, like like, and that's probably what I think we're gonna see for for the foreseeable future. Sure, mm-hmm. is just updating of vernacular because. So much of the scholarship has been done. I yeah. mean, it's, it's amazing um, where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, this is super important. It's, uh, we, I, I do think this is practical yeah, let's, stuff. Yeah, let's wrap right? this up.
0: Let's talk about why this is important, why this is important for us personally, and then why is this important for the family.
1: Yeah, so for me, this is super important because I, I don't want to believe something that's not true. Mm-hmm. And if God is real, which I, He is, because <laughs> He's told me. I want to hear what he has to say. Right. I don't care. I I mean, this sounds bad, but I don't care what other people have to say about God if they're not telling me what God has said about himself. Right. Right. Um, and so I'll read books and I'll listen to people, but but those people have to be telling me what God has said. Right. Um, because I don't want to believe something that's not true.
0: Well, I'll tell you, you know, we've we've looked into this, we've been to seminary, we've studied these things. Uh, from different perspectives. And we, we've we seen the, um, the apologetics of all of this, and yeah. there is a mountain of evidence to prove that we have God's Word. It's right. accurate. It's believable. But here's the thing. I could stack uh, uh, evidence as high as the ceiling, right. and you still not believe, because there is an element of faith that's, that's involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everything that we believe about God, about Jesus, about salvation is based on God's word. So you've got to decide, listener, mm-hmm. you've got to decide. Do I believe that this is God's inerrant, accurate, infallible word that God has given to me that I may live my life by and be saved by? And yeah. you've got to make that decision. And if that's the case, then we must do everything we can to make it the center of our lives.
1: Yeah, it's the foundation of our lives. That's it's what we live our lives on. And this is so important because... You know, our children are growing up in a world that is increasingly more and more uh, opposed. I mean, the enemy is fighting, guys. He's a roaring lion, you know, seeking whom he can devour. And so uh, we... We have to follow the Lion of Judah. You know, we we have the Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ, the Logos, the very Word of God made manifest to us, um, giving us the, the glory of the only begotten of mm. the Father, right? Like That's good. Like, our kids uh, need to to know this thing, these things and, and hear from God himself. That's right. Not only our fan, not only our personal
0: lives, but our families must be built on the word of God. You know, everything, the word of God is not just a part of our life. It, 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 it infiltrates, it infiltrates our entire lives, our work, our family, our personal life, everything. And so, you know, if there's a part of your life and you're like, yeah, I go to church, but then when I get to work, I do and say and live however I want. Well, you're not conformed to God. You're not conforming your life to God's word. And one key thing that we've said, I believe pastors said recently is it's not enough to say, I am looking at God's word and trying to, uh, you know, like plug my life into God's word. It's the other way around. It's plugging God's word into my life and letting it change me. I'm not trying to change God's word for me. God's word is changing me, me yeah, and affecting my entire life. And that's, yeah. that's hard sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, okay, God, I trust you. I believe you. This is not worked out in my life fully, but I'm going to trust and know that you're, you know, the right thing to do. And I got to follow your plan over my own desires and my, and what I want to do.
1: That's, that's exactly right. And so I just want to read this from Ephesians, uh, chapter, uh, Chapter 1, this is a prayer that Paul was praying for them. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And we know that. We know all of those things because he has told it to us in his word. That's right. So we we are praying that for ourselves and for you, listener, and we know that you can get those things by going to God's word and asking him to give them to you as well.
0: That's right. So next week, we are starting on authority. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. God's mm. Word is the authority uh, for us.
1: That's challenging. For believers. It's so good. Right. Yeah. So
0: that's on next episode. I hope Ooh. you'll join us for this series. Uh, it is very important that we study these things and we get into this. So, right. Brian, thank you. And yeah. thank you, listeners. And we'll see you next time. Next time. <laughs>
1: About this Ooh, podcast. Like this, uh, thing. Smack yourself in the face. The let's, cannon. Let's slap each other. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the slap contest. <laughs> Start out off. The bloopers are just sounds of Oh, <laughs> those guys are literally insane, by the way. Uh yeah, they're insane.
0: You see, they're, they're crazy. There's one guy who's like like the world champion or whatever yeah. of slapping, like. He doesn't even move when they slap him. And then his one slap like knocks the knocks dude him out. out. Mm-hmm. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Anyway. <laughs> we should have a podcast just like what we watch on YouTube.
1: <laughs> like just doing YouTube videos. <laughs> like random YouTube
0: videos.
1: Did yeah, you... I could do I could talk about that. <laughs> I could talk about that. <laughs> did you see that guy who did the milk crate challenge? <laughs> Busted his face up. Oh man, that would be funny. That would yeah. be a funny one. No, that would be awful. That's like those reaction YouTube. It's like
0: someone does a video, oh, yeah. and then someone does a reaction video to, to the that. video. Mm-hmm. So I think those we should do videos. reaction videos to, to reaction the reaction videos. videos. I can have do that three too. screens. I can totally do that. <laughs> three
1: screens. He like ends up becoming like what's that when you look at yourself in a mirror and there's a mirror behind you. Yeah, it's like the infinite tunnel yeah, or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think that would be a good podcast team or a good a good uh, web. It Would YouTube, be a vidcast, yeah. yeah.
1: I don't, I don't think people would like it. <laughs> <sighs> oh wow! Ooh, I like that. I have tissues right here too. There you go. Boom. <laughs>